Jesus told this as a parable. He wanted us to learn from this. He wanted this to be uh, an example of what God is like. See, we've probably heard this story many times, and sometimes you can even tune out to what it says, to some of the, the stuff around it. But I'm praying this morning that um, each of us will get something new from this passage, that even just as you read it there, as we read it through together, something jumped out at you that you maybe hadn't seen before. Because you see, here we see the story actually of two sons. Both were prodigals, really. See, there's a son who took all that he had been given. He asked his dad for half of everything, and he took everything, and he walked away. And then we have the son who never took anything and then held it in contempt that his brother took everything. See, what sort of story does our lives relate to? See, what strikes a chord within you? See, some people never really know God and go and enjoy all that life has to give, and they blow it all wastefully. They never really get to know God, and then they just go and waste their life away by just living whatever way they want. And then there's some people who just play it safe with everything, and they stay involved, but their heart isn't in it. They, they aren't fully engaged with Christianity, with God, with who God really is. And you see, in different parts of our, our own lives, I'm sure we relate to these different characters in different ways. So firstly, we have the wild child. He goes and he blows everything that he's been given. He goes and he lives wildly and he, ru he ruins himself and he takes every opportunity that comes his way, whether it's good or bad. And he ends up getting rid of everything he has just by trying to live life to the full as he sees it. He's downtrodden and he's broken in the end because the people that were around him partying with him, they disappeared as soon as the money disappeared. All the people who he thought meant something to him turned their back on him and he ended up with nothing, absolutely nothing. He run himself to the ground and even he had become so diminished within himself that Jesus told this part of the story. And now to us, it wouldn't be that it's not that big a deal. The man went and fed pigs. But to a Jewish person, this is the lowest job you could possibly have. And not only was he that low that he went and fed the pigs, he hired himself out to go and feed pigs, which was against Jewish law um, to be associated with these unclean animals who rolled around in their own muck. But he actually wanted to eat the food that they were all going to eat. That's how, that's how desperate he was for something of nourishment, something that would give him something. See, sometimes life gets really hard when you hit rock bottom. And to be honest, I know loads of people who believe that they're living life to the full, and they go out and they, they, they show all of the, all of the highlights so sometimes we look at people's Facebook or Instagram or whatever way you're you know, telling the world what you're doing, and you're showing the highlights of your life. You're not showing all the bits in between. And sometimes we look at the highlight reel of other people's lives going, wow, if only, wow, I wish. Wow, how did I get that opportunity and that opportunity? How does this happen? How does that happen? And we don't see all of the mess sometimes that's in between. And then we end up getting dragged down and we think that we're missing out on something amazing outside of God whenever these people are out. And in essence, they squander their existence away because there's nothing of fulfillment 
that lasts. There's nothing of nourishment that lasts. He was at rock bottom. And what's the one thing he remembered? He remembered being back in his father's house. He remembered what his father's house was like. He was doing the, the worst job a Jewish person could ever do just to try and get something out of life. And there's plenty of people in this world that are out there and they're in that position where they're just so low, they're at the end of their tether. They're at the end of themselves. And they don't know where to find any nourishment. They don't know where to find anything. So they're looking at what the worst thing is possible and just going, if only I could have a little bit of the worst, I'd be better than where I am now. But he remembers how it used to be. He remembered what his father's house was like. And he even remembered that the worst person in his father's household, the worst of the slaves, were treated way better than he was then. See, this is a condition many people find themselves in. They walk away from church thinking that there's so much more to life than God, so much more to life than, um, than living in a relationship with a loving God. They think that God's just being restrictive. God's tied them down. God's um, you know, stopping them living their life to the full. And we let ourselves get conned. We go out and then we believe the lies. And this is common throughout history. If you go back into um, whenever Moses led the people out of Egypt, Within a couple of weeks of them journeying through the desert and um, coming out of Egypt, the people of Israel were going, I wish I was back there because I wanted the chutney that they had. Honestly, that's what they were thinking. They were thinking about the chutney that they had. Instead of, we're freed from being slaves now, we are our own people and we're following God's leading. They were thinking, I'm not getting the chutney I used to have whenever I was back in, as a slave. See, sometimes we, we get distorted views uh, whenever we look back and we get nostalgic about, and we only, we forget all the bad and we, you know, we think. The thing is, our life without God, it isn't worth much. This is what we need to remember. We need to remember to prioritize that God gives us life and life to the full. That's what Jesus said. Don't get yourself conned by thinking people outside of church, people outside of following God with all of their hearts is living a life better than yours. Believe me, they're not. There is enjoyment to be had, but it's only for a season. It's only for a small time. It doesn't give any lasting satisfaction. That's why if somebody who, um, who starts in drugs, for instance, they usually start on cannabis. And then from cannabis, they go on to something else to get the next high. And then they go on to something else because that doesn't work and that doesn't work. And then before they know it, they're, they're on the hardest drugs out in the market because they're just trying to get the next high. They're trying to get more. And the thing is, the, an encounter with God is higher than any high that you could ever experience. A true encounter with the living God. Whenever you truly know who God is and you know who you are in God, that, it brings such a fulfillment to who you are, to your character, to your person. It transforms your life. That's why we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We let the earthly things drift away and let God's things come forward in our lives. And then we see, even through the hardest storms in life, we see God's plan being knit together. We see why God allowed that to happen at that time, even though it hurt. Sometimes we have to have operations to, to heal something with inside of us because something's not going right. And the thing is, if it's left unchecked, it could end up going totally wrong. 
but you have to go through the painful experience of having the operation to be healthy. That's what God's gifted the doctors with now. He's gifted them with knowledge of how to allow us to be healthy. And the fact, as we know, is there's many, many more people now than ever are living longer in life. There's many more people. And that's the thing that we can celebrate, is that we can, you know, we, we can enhance life. But sometimes life is painful. But are we going to allow stuff to drag us down, or are we going to stand firm? Are we going to be like the prodigal son walking away from God completely to think, to think that we are following better desires? See, we always need to have our eyes and ears open. And the thing is, there's loads of prodigals. There's loads of people who we know used to walk with God. They used to be in relationship with God, and our hearts break for them because they've got conned, they've got fooled. They think that they're out living their life better, but they're not. Sometimes it's pride and guilt even that keep them away from coming back to God because they're afraid of what people might think if they come in and show how broken they really are. Fear might be stopping them from entering back into a relationship with God. I've even heard it said that if all the prodigals, if everybody who used to know God just came back to God, our churches would all be full. And that's pro there's probably a lot of truth in that. Because there's loads of people who come to God even for a small season, and then they get conned and fooled. The devil, who's the father of lies, convinces them that there's more pleasure to be had out in the world. Maybe they get ne negative experience with some Christians or some, um, some churches or something like that, and they think that that's what God's like. Instead of keeping our eyes fixed on who God is, we allow ourselves to be conned. And that's one thing I want to encourage you is always approach God with an open heart and a sound mind. Allow God to show you who he is so you don't become a prodigal that walks away. But then there's the other brother. And I want us to look at him for a minute. Now, the other brother, he stayed around. He was always there. He served and he served. He was out in the fields whenever the other brother came back. He was out serving his father's household. He had done everything his father had asked, except for one thing. He didn't enter into the sonship that was there. He didn't take hold of the possessions of his father. He didn't enter into that. He never entered into the promise. In essence, if we were viewing it, we never enter into the promises of God. You can attend church all you like, but if your heart never engages with it, and if you don't, um, if you don't engage with what God wants to give you, you're never going to be a real son or daughter of God. That is what we were meant to do. We're meant to follow God. He said to his father that he's done everything, but he, he never even got anything for a party. Did he ever ask for anything for a party? It doesn't say there. But the thing is, in a, in a, the father turned around and said, everything I have is yours. So in essence, you own everything, so why didn't you use it? And in essence, there's some people who come to church, they, they, they maybe say even the sinner's prayer, they, they give their hearts to God, they just say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you. But they don't take any steps in their faith. They don't actually develop themselves. And they're no more mature today than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago, whenever they first give their, life, their hearts to God. There's some people who just stay in church and they never actually grow up in their faith. Are we that sort of person 
who basically, do we look the same as we looked a year ago, 10 years ago, however long you've been following God? That's the sort of person that we have to pray that we enter into a real revelation of our sonship and daughtership of God. We are called into the family of God. We are part of the family of God. But the thing is, you can be just as distant from God and not walk away from him as the son that walked away. It doesn't say even if, he, if, the, if the elder son went in to the party and actually engaged with the party. Our hopes and prayers is that they would. But you have these two sons who both were not close to the father, who both, one followed him by nature, and the other actually came back in with a repentant heart and actually engaged with him. And then actually the son that was following God, as far as they've seen it, was faithfully for so many years. They got jealous of the son that didn't. The jealous of the son who went and wasted their life away and then came back and then received all of this blessing from God the Father. We need to be careful that we don't even judge others because there might be some people that we know who we think they went and wasted their life away and then they come back to God and they get filled with, you know, with God's presence and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see them doing all this miraculous stuff. And we're like, but I've served God for years and I've never seen anybody healed. But yet, Joe Bloggs, who's went and wasted their life away for 30 years, now they're following God and they're seeing people healed. We've got to be careful that we don't have that elder brother attitude where we just think, oh, I can't believe they're getting that. But yet I've been doing this faithfully for years. We need to celebrate anything God does. Now, I want us to look at the Father for a while. And you see, this story represents Father God. It represents who he's meant to be. And at first glance, in our culture, nothing extraordinary really happens whenever we look at what it's said about the Father. But whenever we um, understand the culture of the day, it was totally crazy the way the Father acted. See, firstly, the Son came and basically wished the Father to be dead so that he could take everything he could and go and do whatever he wanted with it. That's not a nice way to, you know, and some, sometimes in essence, we can even think subconsciously like that about God, where we'll just go and we'll take what we can. We can get everything that we can from it. And there's even some people that teach a prosperity gospel that basically come to God and everything will be okay. Come to God, your business will succeed. Come to God, you'll never have troubles with your finances. Come to God and you'll be blessed beyond. And, and people believe these lies, thinking that if I come to God, I'm going to get all these blessings. Now, God does bless us, don't get me wrong. Sometimes he does bless us with money. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he, you know, sometimes it's just satisfaction in ourselves. There's so much and so many different ways that God promises that he will bless us but we've got to be careful that we just don't believe this prosperity gospel, that God will just give you whatever you want. So firstly, the son came and did that. And you know what? The father, he let him have the inheritance. He let him have it. That was a second shocking thing. He let him actually take whatever he wanted. And to us, that makes no sense. Why would God allow people to be so blessed if they're just going to waste it away, if they're just going to throw it away and in essence, drink it away and party it away. But as we read on, we realize that the father was watching out his window for the son, for the son that had went away. He was watching day and night for his father or for his son. 
He was watching in the hope that he would return. See, in this culture that they had of their day, in the culture of honor that they lived in, this was ridiculous to consider. The son should have been the one come, uh, trying to come back groveling. And even then, in their culture, because of what the son had done, they had the right to stone him to death because of how dishonoring he was to his father. And that's why the father was watching for the son, because he didn't want to run the risk of people destroying his son before he got a chance to make him a son again, before he got a chance to bring him into the family again. So what's the father done? The first, the first thing, as soon as he thinks he sees his son in the distance, he hikes up his cloak and he runs to his son. For a man to run in those days was totally wrong. A man never ran. And even there's a proverb that says um, that, you know, you know, basically, why would you run when you know, nobody's chasing you? You know, there's a proverb that talks about how crazy that is to run. Now, in our culture, we go running for health and fitness reasons. But in their culture, in those days, they never would consider running. But he wanted to go. And then what did he do? He made him a son again. As soon as he got there, he made sure that nobody could dishonor him. And before the son even got through his pre-rehearsed speech of, this is how I'm going to come to you, God. This is how I'm going to come and, and approach you. The, the father broke in the middle of, his, of him saying, blurting all this out. And he says, you know, put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Make him noticeable as my son again. And that's what God does to any heart that comes to him with a repentant heart. We might look and go, I can't believe that's what they did. But the thing is, if they come to God, it doesn't matter what they did. If they come to God with a repentant heart, it doesn't matter what they did. And we need to be careful um, that we accept anybody who comes with a repentant heart to God. We've got to accept them and love them and encourage them and disciple them into what it really means to be in this relationship with God. The father loved him in a way that he wasn't worthy of. See, there's restoration for anybody who always wants, who always wants it. Now, both sons needed restored. One needed to realize his position. He never walked away from God, but he never entered into the position of being a son of God. And the other one completely denied him, but came back to him. And whatever way you can associate with God this morning, and we all in some part, in some way, need to come back to God. We need to say sorry for something that we've done. We need to come, even if it's just an attitude of the heart. And we need to come to him and allow him to enter into us again. I pray that as we open up ourselves to him, that we'll enter into the fullness of the sonship of God that whether there's people coming after us trying to stone us because of what we've of how we've dishonored God, or whether there whether we've always been around but we've never really entertained our position within God, I pray that we will just open our lives to Him. I pray that we will realize that the past is the past. We can't change it. But the present is here now and we can choose to live differently. We can choose to walk out of here different people than we walked in by the renewing of our mind.
I pray that we will renew our mind this morning in knowing the Father's love for us, that even though some people condemn us, even though some people despise us, even though some people don't understand us, that whenever we come to God with open and repentant hearts, our lives are transformed. We can follow him in the way he designed, in the way he made. That's why we took communion. That's the, that's the entrance. That's the gate. In essence, when we remember the death of Jesus, that's whenever we realize that he died for all the wrong things we've done and we are clean and we can enter into God's presence boldly. That means then we're in the presence of the living God, the creator of heavens and earth. The one who said, let there be light and bang, it happened and life started from there. That's who we enter into whenever we enter in through the way he designed. That's why whenever you pray, there's power in your prayer. That's why you can go and pray for someone in the name of Jesus and they will get better. And most religions actually acknowledge that. That when you pray in the name of Jesus, people get better. That's what we need to enter into again, our sonship and our daughtership of God. And as I read at the start in John 15, when it said about, um, about us, being, um, us being like Jesus, and then because we're like Jesus, Jesus is like the God the Father, so we are an image of God to the world. And when people look at us, they will see God because God is in us and God is working through us. That's how we're meant to live our lives, as a fair reflection of who God is. So I pray that this morning, on this Father's Day morning, that we will know God the Father. And as, God the Fa as Jesus was in God the Father, so Jesus will be in us, and we will be a reflection of who God is. And he will give us our daily bread. He'll give you your daily needs. And he'll forgive others as, they, as we've forgiven them. Forgiveness is whole. Temptation won't come our way. We'll be able to withstand it. It's okay to be tempted. It's not okay to fall to temptation. And we'll not believe the lies that surround us. Let's just pray together. God, our Father, we just approach you now through the sacrifice that Jesus made. We boldly approach your throne. And God, we just stand in your presence and we just remember who you are. God, we don't want to fill our lives just with, with noise about you, God, but we want to fill our lives with an experience of who you are, that as we go out and serve others, that we will serve them with the love and the desires and the passions that you've placed in our lives. God, we just want to follow you every moment of every day. So God, in whatever way we need to come back to you, whether we've never fully entered into our sonship and daughtership, or whether we've walked away from you and need to turn around and come back to you. God, I pray that we do it now in Jesus' name. I pray that our hearts will be fully open to the God that loves us and that calls us to follow him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless.